Hi, welcome back to another episode of Hidden Colors. My story, her story, his story, our stories. I'm Raquel Smith. So I just want to say once again, thank you to all of those that listened to not only the first episode, but also the second episode. Um, It really means a lot to me that you take time out um, and really listen to my story and my journey. And also for those of you that have listened and that have contacted me and, you know, shared your warm thoughts and love and all of those things. And even those that also have reached out to me um, and kind of shared their own story and their journeys um, dealing with infertility and loss. So thank you all for that. And it really takes a lot of um, courage for you to kind of open up to me that way um, as I am doing for others. So um, today's episode is just all about another woman's journey. Um, We have a special guest joining us today and we'll call her Anne. So Anne, welcome to Hidden Colors. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Raquel. Thanks for having me. Um, and I just want to say, this is such an amazing thing that you're doing, um, not just for women who need the support, but also people who might not understand how difficult this journey actually is and just think, you know, oh, it'll happen, it'll happen. You know, it's it's not quite that simple. And everybody's journey is different. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And also thank you for, you know, being that brave soul to come on and share your journey with us. Because like you said, and like I've said before, you know, it's not just for our healing. It's also for others as well that are going through similar journeys or that have gone through it. And for those that have no idea that we're going through um, right. this fight and this struggle, whatever it is we want to call it, you know. Um, so I really, really appreciate you taking the time out uh, to come on and also share your story. So with that said, um, let's hear all about it. Yeah, so um, I had never been pregnant in my life. I got married at 36 And my husband and I started trying less than a year later. And uh, after six months, which is 536 is considered, you know, if you're over 35 and you've been trying for, you're considered infertile. That's the definition. Mm -hmm. If you're under 35, it's one year. Over 35 is six months. So with that, I went to my just regular gynecologist and I said, hey, you know, something's not right here. And I ended up doing four months of Clomid, which is basically a pill that um, helps you to grow follicles or eggs in your ovaries. And um, you just take these pills and go and have fun and you're supposed to get pregnant. Well, I did four rounds and nothing worked. And actually, I felt like I got wrong information. A high school friend of mine advised that I, you know, 
kind of take this Clomid and she, cause she did, but she had secondary infertility, which means that she already had a child and I hadn't. So for her, it worked cause it was secondary, but I was primary infertility cause I never had. So let me just say one thing about um, Clomid. That is, is mm-hmm. for those, you know, that this is kind of new to, because, you know, we're also educating on, um, you know, sure. infertility. And so that mm-hmm. medication Clomid is also given to men that have infertility mm-hmm. issues as well. So Interesting. Um, they're also prescribed that medication depending on what their diagnosis are. And also for women that haven't been diagnosed with any infertility issues that are trying to get pregnant um, and have not for a certain period of time. So I just Mm -hmm. wanted to put that in there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, Yeah. So then that, that same friend said, Oh, why don't you try this clinic in Manhattan? And I went to this fertility clinic and basically they did an unstimulated IUI, which is a, a intrauterine insemination or the quote unquote turkey baster method. And kind of um, explain that a little bit more. Yeah. So you go in, in a normal IUI, you would get medications like fertility medications and you'd be monitored every morning you'd go in like a second, it was, it's like a second job almost. You go in at seven in the morning, they take your blood, they, they do sonograms, uh, they do all kinds of um, monitoring on you to make sure that the medications are working. Well, that's called a stimulated IUI, regular one. This unstimulated IUI, they basically just monitored my monthly cycle And when they thought that I was going to be ovulating, they got my husband's sample and used a syringe to just inject it into my uterus so that it could meet the sperm, could meet the egg instead of doing it the old fashioned way as it were. Right. So, uh, so I went for this unstimulated IUI, which was in my mind, a complete waste of time. But I did anyway. And then I ended up going to another clinic. I was told uh, after that 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 didn't work out. They did do a, um, a hysterosalpingogram at this clinic, this other clinic that I went to. The second Remember clinic, that word. Which that's is that, hysterosalping- that's that, um, <laughs> that devil test. That's what I call it. Yes, the, the, right. The, it basically is a dye that's pushed through your uterus and through the, the uh, fallopian tubes is to make sure that they're clear. And um, a lot of times it will push it all out. And then the person, the woman might get pregnant naturally after that. Um, however, it's sometimes it's not the case. And, you know, you just have to find other ways. But then I had um, a doctor friend that I dated in college a million years ago. 
who advised that I go to NYU. And he said, you know, stop messing around with these like fancy clinics, you know, go to NYU. So he mentioned that and I decided to go there. And I just want to add in here that I had excellent insurance at the time that I was doing Which is important. You know, I was, yes, it's very important because this can, this is like really, it's expensive if you don't have insurance. It really is. And, um, you know, and it's not just expensive in terms of cash, it's emotionally expensive too, right? So, because, you know, there's like this roller coaster that you're on. Um, I will say here also that my journey spanned almost four years. So I went to this, uh, so I went to NYU where I would meet my favorite RE, as it were, uh, RE is reproductive endocrinologist. And he was my favorite because he listened to me. They give you insurance says when they get billed, it's 45 minutes to an hour for a consultation every time you go in. And most doctors only give you mm-hmm. like what, five or 10 minutes because mm-hmm. they overbook and they want to make that money, right? So they're overbooking and they're making sure they can get as much as they can for that time. But this doctor was different. He sat with me for the whole time. We talked about life. We talked about everything. He was terrific. So then I did my first IUI with this doctor and um, didn't work out. It was stimulated, but it didn't work out. And then he said he suggested an IVF, which is um, in intra uh, in in vitro right. fertilization. Um, the quote unquote the, the IUI is a turkey baster, and this is the test tube. So everything happens outside the body. You get stimulated to produce follicles, and then they they um, you go under general anesthesia, and they take um, they extract the the follicles from your ovaries, and they put them in a petri dish, and um, they put the sperm with it, and they get together, and they make an embryo or a few embryos, and then they take the embryos. And they put them back into your uterus at the right time so that the, um, they can implant and grow a child, a baby. So um, we, got, we got three embryos from that IVF, three viable ones, which is a good number. Um, but I, so the doctor asked me, how many do you want to transfer? I said, well, there's only two of us. We don't have any family nearby. So <laughs> let's do two. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to be outnumbered. Well, nobody stuck around. We transferred two and nobody stuck around. And um, I really, really thought that that was going to work. And, you know, there's something called a two-week wait. Um, which that I know dreadful you know about, Raquel, two weeks. Right? Yeah. Boy waiting to find out if you're pregnant right after treatment after this like harrowing like show up every morning like another job like a drone and um you get you do this 
two-week wait. And then what happened was at the end of the two weeks, if you get your period, then it means you're not pregnant. Well, I started bleeding Mm -hmm. after the two-week wait. And I thought, oh, my God, what's happening to me? I'm losing the baby because I thought, how could the IVF not work? I was so like silly. Like I, I thought it would work the first time. Right. And it, yeah, it was, it was my period and I was devastated. Well, good thing I had the RA that I had because he's like, well, you know, he, he was very, you know, kind of supportive, of course. I mean, as a doctor, but you know, support because, and I say, of course, because they're, the whole money factor, but he really, he really seemed genuine to me. Um, so then we did, I did another six IUIs. And the thing is, he said he compared it to like a barrel of apples. Like there's going to be a good apple in there. We just need to reach down for it. You know, we just need to reach for it. And by doing these IUIs, we're going to find it. And I said, well, how many does my insurance cover? Right. Very good question. The answer was unlimited. Yeah, it's always my first question. (laughs) So um, we did another about six IUIs and none of them worked. And on the sixth, uh, six to seven more IUIs, actually, on the sixth IUI, you know, you go in, by now I know my uterus like the back of my hand because when it comes to my health, I'm very nosy. They're doing the sonogram. They're looking at my, how my uterus lining mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. increasing. And I'm looking over on the sonogram and I see something that looks strange to me. So the doctor on duty, after they did their monitoring for that morning, it, it's called right. mo- morning monitoring the room and said okay said to me okay you can get dressed and he and left the room I dug into my bag and I got my camera and I took a picture of the screen because I knew if I didn't take a picture of that screen I'd end up kicking right. myself later so I did it and I sent an email to that RE and I said what is what is this bunch of question marks mm-hmm. right and he responded really quickly and he said I don't know and I had at the time I had read like probably all the books on the market about fertility you know back then and um, I had read that that so what looked it looked really something strange on the screen. Right. And I thought based on what I read that it could be polyps. So I said to the, to the RE, well, do you think it could be polyps? And he just kind of poo pooed me. He was like, Oh, you know, plenty of women get pregnant with polyps, you know, um, it's no big deal. And I said, well, this woman's not getting pregnant. And it's been, it's been a while now. It's been like almost three years now can we do this test that I read about called a saline infused sonogram? And he, he said to me, well, it's a painful test. It's very costly. So about a little about the saline infused sonogram, the SIS, basically they fill your uterus with saline solution, kind of like a balloon. So they can see the perimeter of 
your uterus and see if there's any imperfections. So I'm, if it's pain with a purpose, I don't right. mind. Right. You know, I mean, this is going to be, you know, for a good cause. This is the good, the good fight, you know, fighting the good fight in my mind. And as far as the, the costliness of the, the procedure, it was a simple copay of right. $50. Right. And I, I just said, shut up and take my money because, <laughs> you know, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I do it? Right. So, well, I did this healing fuse sonogram and it felt like cramps, uh, like times 100 or times something like that. Okay, just breathe through it and it was fine and it was over. We did find two polyps, just like I mm-hmm. predicted. I had them removed. And what I read was that if the polyps were the reason for the infertility, that I would become pregnant within three months naturally. But of course, I was getting impatient and I decided to do one more IUI. And... (laughs) That IUI had a little bit of a meltdown at the clinic because there were kids running around and I didn't think it was right for them to be there. And I was like, you know what? Forget this. And I left. I went to another reproductive endocrinologist. This would be the fourth one now that I've seen. He took my files. Like I took my files with me from the, the last RE and all the other files like I don't know like maybe three inches or so thick of files mm-hmm. with me and he looked for 10 minutes or less slammed it on his desk when I was in his office and said you will never get pregnant wow he said never what did you say? What did you yeah. say or what went through your mind at that point hearing that from this professional? Yeah. Um, where can I just like end my life right now? Because this has been my life for the past couple of years trying and what's the point right now? And I left his office in tears. And I was like walking into traffic. I was in a daze and I was just like, I was, I was ready to just end it. And I, but somehow I pulled myself together and I saw one last reproductive endocrinologist who I read about was really nice and came highly recommended and he was super nice. He was another one that sat with me for the full hour. And he said, you know what? I'm looking at your, I looked at your files and I want to try something different. He wanted to do another IVF. I had a little more money in my insurance for an IVF. The, the IUIs were unlimited, but the IVFs mm-hmm. were not. There was a certain dollar amount limit. And I would have had to... Um, 
add another few thousand to it in order to have a complete IVF. So I talked to my husband about it and, you know, we decided, and I decided more importantly that I was going to do this. And if I wasn't going to get pregnant from it, then I was going to take my life back and Mm -hmm. move on. It was the end of the year. It was December and it was 2011 of December. And I said, you know what? 2012 or bust. If I don't have, if I don't get pregnant now and have a child in 2012, I'm taking my life back. Well, I called, we had a, we had an agreement and I was gonna, that month in December, I was going to come back when my cycle started to start this IVF, this final treatment. And my cycle started and I called the doctor's office and I said, you know what? I want to enjoy the holiday season. I don't want to be going in every morning for monitoring. I don't want this to be a cloud over me for the whole month of December. Mm -hmm. So let's start fresh in January. And he's like, okay, sure. You want to wait till after holidays? That's not a problem. So January came and my period did not. Mm. And yeah, and I was a little bit in denial. Like I almost didn't like pay attention to like, oh yeah, my period's going to start soon. Like I almost, it was weird because I didn't, I was just like, well, you know what, like, ah, whatever, whatever happens, happens. And this might, you know, but then I realized, wait a second, my period's kind of late. And then I had a dream. And this is my dream. This is not something I heard somewhere. It's really crazy. Um, I had this dream that koi fish were being tattooed on my abdomen. And I woke up. And I went to my computer and I Googled, what does that mean? You know, koi fish tattoo. And it said pregnancy. It means pregnancy. I'm like, get out of here, you know? Mm-hmm. But I was also late, right? And I thought, okay, maybe it's stress or whatever, I'm just, you know. But I decided just in the off chance that, remember what I said about the three months? Right. That it would take three months if I'm removed back earlier in the mm-hmm. story. Well, this was the third month. December would have been the third month. I just had to be a little more patient. So I went to 99 cent store. Oh. <laughs> like any reasonable person would do. Oh, that dollar store. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and I bought two pregnancy tests because really and truly those are the ones that they use in the doctor's offices too, right? They're not using like the $20 ones. Right. <laughs> And right, I bought these two tests. I took the first one and then I confirmed with the second one and I looked in the mirror and I said, smiled to myself and I said, this is how it's supposed to happen. Wow. So it happened. So my journey span, it happened. Oh, and it happened in a very big way because... Um, 
I, every day I was on pins and needles of like, oh my God, is this for real? Like, I was just like one day at a time, you know, I really like took good care of myself while I was pregnant. How soon, let me ask you this, how soon after taking that test did you go to the doctor? Um, I would need to pull out all my journals. <laughs> um, I think I called, I called the, the, the gynecologist that was uh, the OBGYN that was in closest proximity mm-hmm. to me because I didn't want to have to travel. I was scared to get on the train. I was scared to, I, I was working full time at the time. And what I just found the closest one near near to where I live which was a block away (laughs) and I believe it was like I want to say it was two weeks after the test because that's when they would be able to get a heartbeat Mm -hmm. yeah okay I want to say it was two weeks okay or a week and a half something like that but yeah um yeah, and it just goes to show you really have to advocate for yourself. And because, you know, look, even the RE that I call my favorite RE, you know, he was even trying to convince me not to take the, the test, the saline mm-hmm. sonogram that revealed the polyp. But I convince him, you have to find somebody who's going to listen to you. I saw five REs. Oh, I want to go back in the story a little bit. When I, that doctor, that last doctor that I said I was going to do the IVF with, when I, before I left his office, I shook his hand and I said, you will be my last RE. I am taking my life back after mm-hmm. this. And he smiled and said, okay, I'll see you on your next cycle. And I called him and he said, congratulations. I called my other, my other RE that did the, um, the, the saline mm-hmm. fuse sonogram for me. He congratulated me. And uh, that other hack doctor right. that said never. Right. I reported him for insurance fraud because he said that he did a battery of tests on me for fertility he said that he sat with me for an hour when he sat with me for like 10 minutes tops. And uh, on the on the uh, explanation of benefits that you get, you know, from insurance, right, right. it said that he did all these, any of those tests. He just looked at my papers, looked at my records and said, you'll never get pregnant. You know, you know, it's funny because. When we get, well, let me speak for myself. When I get my explanation of benefits, most of the time, I don't even open it and look at it. And, most people and it's, don't. Right. Most people don't. And it's so important for us to do that because you never know that what they're saying that they're doing or what they have done and come to, to know after you open it and really look at it like, wait, what is this? They never did this. We never did this test. And remember, when it, especially yeah. when it comes to insurance, and if it's, if it's something that's out of the norm, like IVF or IUI, those things, you have a limit of what you can do and an amount yes. you know, with your that's insurance. Right. So it is really important 
for us to look at that because if they're saying that they're billing for something that they haven't done, that's yep. taken away from something that you could have or the benefits that you could have Great or how many you can have. So, you know, as, as yes. patients or consumers, we need to really look into those things and become advocates yes. for ourselves. How many times do we yes. go and advocate for other people? And we fail to do it for ourselves. So when you get those explanation of benefits, especially, especially if you have any type of diagnosis or anything like that, that you're depending on your insurance for, open it up and check. You know, we're, we're talking about, yeah. you know, thousands of dollars here. We're not talking about pennies. Yes, they want to make money. They want to make money, you know, this is what it, unfortunately, okay, now we're going to get a little political, but you know, in America, um, healthcare is a privilege, not a right. And because of that, it's, it's a for-profit right. venture, you know, right at people's expenses, you know, at people's expense. So you're absolutely right. We really need to advocate for ourselves. Right, right. Absolutely. And, and, and something that you shared with me um, before was what, what do you call, you know, so, so tell the listeners, you know, what did you have and, and how that experience was for you? Uh, my, you mean my yeah. daughter? <laughs> so, uh, yes, I had, I had a, a baby girl the day after I turned 41. And um, it was really special. I actually remember I said pain. I don't care about the pain if it's for a purpose. I ended up having um, an unmedicated birth because I wanted to avoid a C-section, an unnecessary C-section. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and my I remember the the RE, the one that I called my favorite, quote unquote. He when I when I told him that I was pregnant, he said, "Well." He said, you know what, your fight to get pregnant is going to serve your child well. And he's right. He's right. Because now my daughter is six years old and I find myself advocating for her all the time. And, and, and you said you said at, at one point that sometimes you even become so overprotective because of yeah. what you had to go through basically your journey to end up having her yes yes um and also I never forgot where I came from like I I'm still on all the like um fertility support group emails and if I could offer any information I do that and when people tell me what they're going through I you know like yourself Raquel I really I it I, I want I want to see I want to see you be successful someday with this and become a parent. You I really believe you will. Well, I appreciate I definitely appreciate that. I definitely appreciate that. I I you will find a way. I am just you know so in awe of how strong we are as women um going through yeah. this and and just just us just really talking about it for someone that 
is not going through it or haven't experienced it, it's really kind of hard to really have them understand what we go through trying to conceive um, when it's so easy for other people to do it. You know, when you mentioned before, you know, the same thing I had to do, you know, every couple of days getting up so early in the morning, taking that journey to go downtown to the doctor's office. You know, I was in New York. I had to take a couple of trains to get to my doctor's office prior to me going to work. So I still had to do that and then go to work after, you know, and laying on that table and having this, um, what do you call it? That probe that goes up inside of you. Oh, to... the oh, intro, intravaginal yeah, ultrasound. Yeah, the intravaginal yeah, ultrasound. It's like violating. Yeah, every... It's violating, isn't it? <laughs> yes, every day yeah. going there, you know, laying on that table, having your legs up, having the doctor go in and probe around in your, you know. Yeah, it's, it's very it's... violating and it's very like, you know... Uh, people, women who haven't been through it, people who haven't been through it, and you know, to be fair, our partners right. too, right? Our our husbands or who, the, you know, kudos to them too for really being there, being there for us. That you know? support is very, very important. So, for those of you that are yeah. listening that have someone that is dealing with infertility and kind of going through that journey please, please just be supportive because it is such a daunting task to have to get up every day or however many days you have to get up and go through that process and get stuck by needles over and over and getting probed and, you know, do it. It's really emotionally draining. And the more support you have from your partner, you know, it makes it a little bit easier because it, it kind of shows you that you're not alone at that moment. You know, you're not doing it by yourself. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And to somebody who, if, if somebody is listening that um, knows somebody who's going, who's going through this and having a tough time getting pregnant, you know, being supportive doesn't mean doesn't mean um, you know telling them to just relax because we can't. Right? Have you yeah. heard that before? Oh, yeah. And nobody in the history of time has ever relaxed by being told to right, relax, right, right? Right. Or don't think about it. Just don't think you about know? it. It'll happen. Yeah. Well, exactly. you know what they say: if you're not dealing with it, you really don't understand because. If you're going through it, that's all you're thinking about every single day, every moment of the day you're thinking about it. You know, when you when you get that positive test and, you know, you're it's confirmed that you're pregnant. Somebody else that probably gets pregnant naturally, and I'm just making an assumption here that gets pregnant naturally, they're probably not thinking about walking too fast or 
climbing a step oh, God. or sitting a down step, a day at a time. You know, or or just the things yeah. that we do on a regular day like you you get to your bed and you just Absolutely. lay back and plop down on the bed you know for us going through that we think about those things is this bag too heavy for me to pick up you know yeah. oh should i run yes, I would... this corner should i walk slower you know, those things you're thinking about because you don't want to do anything that you feel is going to jeopardize that little embryo that's growing inside of you. All you want it to do, you're talking to it every single day saying, please stick, please grow. And and you're trying to nurture yeah. it. And most of the time, you know, the the women that are blessed to not have to go through that probably are not thinking about those things. So it it what I'm, I'm trying, trying to say really is not. it's hard. It yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, so it's, don't assume everybody has the everybody has their struggle. Because people need to understand everybody has their struggle. Maybe it's not the same as somebody else, you know, but this is this is something serious, you know, and uh, people don't tend to realize it they just think oh you can do this you can do that they don't yeah i want to add one other thing that doctor who said never uh oh gosh i forgot what i was gonna say we'll have to come back well i have one other thing and this is this goes um to the point of you know educating others that don't understand this journey right Mm -hmm. so um, earlier on in your story, you had said um, when you went to one of the clinics that you didn't feel comfortable mm-hmm. because there were kids there, you know, running around. And mm-hmm. that little thing, mm-hmm. well, it, it's not a little thing. That part of your story is so important for people to understand because when you think about having to go to this doctor's office and the whole purpose of you going there is to try to get pregnant and you walk in and you see you know other women with kids just running around and you're there fighting because that's what it is it's a fight to get pregnant and you see those kids you feel like it's so insensitive of them oh well I'm I'm here you know you hear them talking oh I'm here this is my third one I'm trying to do number four you know I have three kids or I have two or this is my number one and I'm trying to do number two it's like you know it's it's just so insensitive for those that haven't even gotten to number one yet so for those of you listeners that are out there And, you know, nothing wrong with going back four and five times, but just be considerate of us or the women that are there that haven't even gotten, you know, close to completing number one yet, because remember, you had to start somewhere. So just think about those. I was, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was part of a um, fertility support group. And don't you know... Um, there were two different support groups in the same one. They were split apart. One was for secondary infertility and one was for primary because 
the primary people cannot understand the secondary people because we're saying if we one, can only right. have one or just want one, right? Right. So, um, by the way, I just want to get back to that because while well, I remember the, the, the never mm-hmm. guy, the never RE, he tried to sell me a donor egg. Well, isn't that convenient? Oh, wow, yeah. Right? I'll never get pregnant. By the way, here's, here's, a, here's a donor egg you can buy. Right. I have nothing against donor eggs, just not for me. And also, it's $30,000 that insurance right. doesn't cover. So, you know, that's to me, that's just another way for them to make money. Um, and, well, here I have my never baby, right? She's my unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I just want to say again... Um, Thank you for taking the time out and sharing your journey, your story, because that's definitely your story. And, um, you know, just just some housekeeping, you know, as we wrap up. Remember Mm -hmm. to be sensitive to the ones that, you know, that are. Uh, going through this struggle or this fight and you know everyone has a name for what they go through and um, just just kind of be supportive of that and as we're doing this and we're continuing to have others come on and share their story we will also continue to educate those that have no idea what we're going through and so they won't come and say, you know, well, just relax or, you know, don't think about it and things like that, because it is definitely, definitely something um, that's hard and that's tough. And we really don't know how many people are going through this fight. So um, just be kind of mindful of that. So again, thank you, everyone for um, coming on and listening to Hidden Colors, um, my story, her story, his story, and our stories. And we want to, again, say thank you to Anne for coming on and sharing her journey with us. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.